I didn't cause this to myself. Like I didn't ask for this, like, and I can't do anything about it. So either I can sit and be shameful of something that I have no control over, or I can get the fuck over it and live my life to the best that I can. What's up, everyone? It's your boy, Danny Priori, and welcome to Off the Cuff. You might know me as the guy from the basement yard, Vine, the Priori podcast. And while I love to make people laugh, just know that I've struggled with my mental health for most of my life, just like many of you. Here on Off the Cuff, I will be talking with some of the most impactful influencers, athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and mental health experts to have real, unapologetic conversations about mental health and breaking the stigma that surrounds it. This show is for you, and I'm so happy to have you here. Now, let's talk Off the Cuff. Welcome back to Off the Cuff. I'm your host, Daniel Priori, and today my guest is Alyssa Cleland. She's an influencer with a one in a million rare condition that led to her right lower leg to be amputated, coupled with PTH, which we'll learn about, including me. She also has a disease which caused her to only have four fingers on each hand, with her middle finger being the missing digit. She works to help close the gap between amputees and able-bodied individuals. She is also a para, what is that? Para, para dressage equestrian. So now that's, that's my first question is what is that? Okay. So it's like regular dressage, which for those at home that don't know what that is, dressage is like that fancy horseback riding. You see, it's not jumping, but it's like when you're in that big sandbox and the horse is like trotting really pretty. Yeah. It's basically that. So the para version of it is it's basically dressage, but for disabled people. So we have to do the same movements that able-bodied people have to do on the horse, but with, you know, whatever we have going on. So there's people with MS, missing limbs, there's paraplegics that do it. So yeah, we do it at all different levels. So for para dressage, there's classification. So kind of basically the more disabled you are, you don't have to do as many movements just because, you know, if you can't use your body the way that it's supposed to, you can't make the horse do it. So there are some classifications, but it's basically dressage, but for the disabled community. Wow. All right. So I learned, I learned a ton already uh, (laughs) for the interview. So basically it's like just awesome horse dance moves yes. for like, like people that people that can't follow that well, including myself. Yes. <laughs> okay. Very, very cool. Listen, so in something like that, when you're competing, do you want to be looked at as an equal or is it something that, you know, cause people are like, wow, like it's such an inspiration, right? So it's like, yeah. you know, this person has this condition. It's like, wow, it's like such an inspiration, but does a part of you just want to be respected as just, I'm an athlete, uh, I'm a performer, I'm a performance athlete, I'm out here doing this thing, I'm controlling this horse right now, <laughs> regardless, regardless of my condition or not. So yeah. how, how do you do that? So I, I think amongst my peers and, uh, and amongst others of those in the disabled community, I 100% want to be seen as an equal. However, in comparison to able-bodied people, I want to be seen as disabled because I am. And I think, you know, disabled people, and obviously, like, I'm not trying to, like, offend anyone. I feel like disabled people do want to be seen as equals. And I think that's great. And I think that's awesome. However, we're not, you know, we are physically handicapped. 
We cannot do some things that able-bodied people can. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. I feel like people in the disabled community can get so disheartened about not being seen as equal because then they feel like there's something, there is something wrong with them, but like, that's not the case at all. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you. You just happen to be physically handicapped. And I feel like if we I feel like people in the disabled community wanting to be seen as equals, I feel like they're kind of trying to sugarcoat their condition, you know, Mm -hmm. but their condition does take a hit on their life. And there are some obstacles that we as disabled people have to jump over that able-bodied people just will never face in their life. So I think it's really important that, you know, amongst my peers in the disabled community, I am an equal, but against able-bodied peoples. I want my disability seen and I want it known. And if I need some sort of help thing or whatever, I would want it, you know, and I, and I, I'm not ashamed of that. And I feel like a lot of that comes from shame from having a disability, but I literally, I can't help what happened to me. You know, I have zero control. So why should I feel shame over something that I couldn't stop even if I wanted to? For sure. And, you know, it's something like, I'm sure that obviously you've dealt with your entire life. You know, I love children, but, you know, they're kind of assholes. <laughs> and, you know, and you talk about shame. Was this something that you had to deal with on a daily basis, especially with young kids that are just not not formed enough mentally? I don't want to offend anybody. Either, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, no, you know, they're just, just not uh, grown up. Yeah. Yeah. Just not grown up. Definitely. I got bullied so much growing up just from, yeah, from kids. And I did, I felt a lot of shame because I was so different than everyone else. And like, granted, it took me quite a while to like figure out that like I was different. Cause I feel like, you know, you're kind of sort of in this bubble and, you know, you don't really know, you know, something's up, but you're not quite sure. But then it's like, you hit a certain age and you're like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, I'm the different one. And so it was really, really difficult because every school that I've ever been to, I think I've been the only one with a prosthetic. And so it was very obvious. And so it just made me an easy target, I think. Yeah, I don't really think I worked through it until I was like an adult and I, you know, kind of got more mature and things like that. And I was able to like, I guess, kind of like comfort myself and knowing that like, hey, like I didn't cause this to myself. Like I didn't ask for this like, and I can't do anything about it. So either I can sit and be shameful of something that I have no control over or I can get the fuck over it and live my life to the best that I can. And that's what I decided to do. But even as an adult, like it can be hard just being on like TikTok and Instagram and things, you know, all the comments that I get that make fun of me and my condition, you know, can kind of bring all of that back. So it's just like a, it's a daily reminder and a daily push through that I have to do for myself. No one else is going to do it. You know, no one else is going to be like, sure. oh, you're so great, blah, blah, blah. Like, I know I am. I tell myself that daily. But, and if I don't, then I'll like get into this rut of like, you know, I can't do this. I feel so shameful, blah, blah, blah. And so it's definitely, it's a fight every day, but I think it's, it's a fight worth fighting. So I agree 100%. And it's, you know, it's conversations like this that, you know, I would say majority if I had to pick a number, I would say a hundred percent of people, you know, take a lot of things for granted and especially, you know, not having to deal with a disability. And let's talk about it. What exactly is it called? Because from your intro, it's one in a million, yeah. extremely rare. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which, but you could look at it as like, Hey, like this is one in a million. Like 
this sucks, but like, this is one in a million. So like, I'm kind of special in terms of like, you know, I have to, I, this is something I was born with and have to deal with, yeah. and, uh, you know, with what you're doing now, but exactly what is the condition? So the condition is called paraxial tibial hemimelia. So it means that I was born without my right tibia. And because of this, so your, your tibia is your large lower leg bone and it's your weight bearing bone. So without it, you can't, you can't stand basically on that side. So when I was born, I was born in Ukraine. So I have like my upper part of my leg, but then my lower side kind of like curved and it was kind of weird. So that's my main disability, praxeotibial hemimelia. So that's why I wear a, a prosthetic today. Praxeotibial hemimelia is what made me have to wear a prosthetic and it is coupled with ectrodactyly and that's what caused my hands to be the way they are. So like you said in the beginning, I am missing my middle finger, which yes, it means I've never flipped the bird in my life. It's quite sad. I'm very disappointed. I think God knew that I was going to be an aggressive driver and he was like, no, we're just going <laughs> to shut this down right now. <laughs> see, that's the, that's the thing. You see, that's if, if I was going to miss a finger, it would probably be that one. I could uh, sympathize with you there for sure. Yeah, it's it's it can be definitely sad sometimes. I still got my ring fingers. So at least there's hope there. (laughs) There it is. um, (laughs) So yeah. And my ectrodactyly, it doesn't affect the way that I use my hands. I still use my hands like everyone else. I can use chopsticks, forks, pens, and pencils, like nothing is affected. So that's really nice. And then if you look in x-rays, my middle knuckles and stuff, they're just conjoined in with my ring finger. So they're Uh, they're there. They're just not where they're supposed to be. (laughs) Right, right, right. So listen, I'll flip, first of all, I'll flip people off for you. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> I got your back on that. So the next question I wanted to ask was you alluded to like, you know, there was nothing I could do about this. Right. And you were, you were born with it, but what was your family's reaction to it in terms of you being a kid and then growing up? Because you see a lot of parents is, you know, when they have children, they want their kids to have the best life possible. Right. Yeah. And a lot of parents, you know, what I think about like with me is, you know, I, I'm bipolar type two, I suffer from anxiety and depression. And, and a lot of that stuff is hereditary, right? So it's, there's that worry. And there's, it's a tough thing to deal with. But what was that dynamic like? It was interesting. So I'm actually adopted. So I was adopted from Ukraine. So, you know, when my parents got me, they knew that I had all this stuff, right? And so, and that was, you know, part of what made them want to get me. So that way they, you know, could give me a a better life and stuff. I was in Ukraine, came to the US when I was four. And that's when I had surgery to technically amputate my leg. So that way I could um, start wearing prosthetics. And so from then on, in regards to my, you know, amputation disability, it was pretty much sink or swim. I'm the only one in my family with a disability. And so I, I feel like I didn't let that hold me back though. My parents were marathoners. So I did a lot of races growing up. I did triathlons. I did sports in school and things like that. And I think my parents were really good about you know, because I was the only one with a prosthetic leg in the family, they were really good about kind of letting me figure out what worked and what didn't work. And so they were kind of, I don't want to say totally hands-off, but I feel like they gave me a lot of freedom to kind of explore what I needed to, you know, in order to make For sure. work and things like that. I will say there were times that I feel like they might've pushed me too far just because, especially with running, you know, for me running, 
at the time I had bulky legs, they were heavy, they didn't move very smoothly. So running was really difficult for me. I would get sores and things like that. And my parents would still make me run and I would complain about it a lot because it, it hurt, it was uncomfortable, I didn't enjoy it and it was hard for me, but it was like I still had to do it. So in that regard, I did have a lot of anger and resentment built up towards them for that. But like I've forgiven them, we've gotten over it. It's been fine. And I now I run by myself out of my own volition. So I would say things like that kind of sucked when they didn't really listen to me because they're like, well, we're all in this race as a family. You're going to run too. And I was like, but like it, I can't, you know? So there were moments like that for sure. But then obviously as I got older and I was able to, I think, speak for myself more and they finally listened, um, I think it got <laughs> better and, you know, and what I knew my body could handle and couldn't handle. So I played volleyball in high school and then in college. And so at that point, you know, I, I had stopped running altogether. I was like, this is not for me. Like, this is not great, but yeah, I feel like they treated me pretty normally. So that was, I think that was really nice. I think that helped me just develop as an amputee a lot faster because I feel like some parents will kind of coddle their kids in that way, which is like totally fine. But, you know, if I'm going to be a functioning adult with a disability out in the real world, it's a lot. And I feel like people don't understand that the world is a big place. The world is a big place. And, you know, it's I tell people all the time when they come to me just about this show or stuff that I'm transparent about and we'll get into it because we kind of have a similar story as well. I have to keep this mentality of like, it could always be worse. Yeah. It could always be worse because that's really the only thing that kind of drives me nowadays that, you know, it's, you have to kind of, I used to always try and think about the future or about the past. And I really had a hard time being present. Or I would think back to times in my life when my mental health was better. I would think to about times when my mental health was worse or where is it going to go? Like, you know, it's, I'm having a good, I'm having a good day now, but like, <laughs> I'm no stranger to a psych ward though. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, I've taken, I've taken sticky sock vacations. Like they're awesome sometimes, <laughs> you know, for me, I, I sat in there, I went as I'll tell you my story real quick. I mean, I've told it a lot, but I was dealing with suicidal thoughts and I was going to act on it. And what came to my mind was how many people's lives I would ruin mm. by taking one life, which would have been my own. And, you know, I'm, I'm think I'm seeing all these people like flashing. I, I can almost see them like crying about me in my head and like see my funeral. I'm very dramatic. So like, you know, I could see all this stuff, you know, in, in like a split second. So I decided to go inpatient and it saved my life. Impatience yeah. saved my life, you know, for, for someone that wanted to, yeah, for someone that, thank you, for someone that wanted to end their life to go in there and they're like, all right, dude, give us your shoelaces, give us your short strings. Like, you know, like we got to take everything. And it's like, yeah. and now I'm in a room with a paranoid schizophrenic, like playing connect four and shit. You know <laughs> what I mean? So like, I had no idea where my life was going to go. And I, I think I really picked up on that mentality when I was in there is uh, I got to see people with a lot of heavy shit was going on in there. For you, one, did you play Connect Four when you were there? <laughs> and what was your experience like? So I, I don't think I've mentioned that I have also taken a sticky sock vacation. So when I was nine, I did threaten to commit suicide and I was ready to, I faced a lot of mental and physical abuse from my parents. 
um, a lot of verbal abuse as well. So my life was just, it was pretty much awful. And so when I was nine, yeah, I went there for about two weeks and honestly, it was the best two weeks of, of my life. That's what I tell people. That's what I tell people. Everyone in there was just so sweet and so kind and, you know, they're dealing with monsters, you know? So I definitely knew that. I mean, obviously like I didn't have it great, but I knew it could be obviously a lot worse. And so, yeah, like you said, it it could definitely be worse. I don't think I played connect four, but um, (laughs) I I, I wasn't allowed to eat sugar at home. And so when I went inpatient, every, every sweet thing I could, I just soaked it up, but it was, it was definitely, yeah, definitely life-changing. And I definitely didn't think about like, you know, if I killed myself, you know, what my family think? like, I just didn't care. Yeah, for sure. Especially at nine though, too. It's like, it's almost like you have the presence of mind Yeah. to even do that is like kind of gangster though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's like when you're nine, it's like, you're thinking about like running away and, and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And, and, yeah. you know, and my parents, I love them to death, but like they did the best that they could that, you know, that they did what they could. They had five yeah. kids and it was a difficult and, you know, there was some verbal abuse and then, you know, there was other things that happened in my lifetime too. And it's just like, you know, you get to this point as a kid where you kind of just roll with the punches, but for you to be like that presence of mind, do you think that obviously your condition, but also your environment, it was just kind of forced you to kind of grow up kind of fast? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I'm the baby of six, you know, we have a large family and I, I think, you know, coupled with my home life and then also having a disability, I think those two things just made for the perfect storm. Um, Mm. so I, your parents were like, kind of like, they were kind of like savages, like athletically and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like very regimented already in their minds kind of. Yeah, pretty much. And so, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of friends growing up. I didn't really. So I was, I really felt alone most of the time just because it was like my family didn't understand me. No one at school understood me. And so I was like, I, I literally have no one on my side, you know? And so I think that was really hard for me. I think that was part of why, like, I just didn't care if like I went, cause I was like, well, who, who cares anyways? Like I got nobody, nobody for me. Right. So I'm, I'm obviously very glad that I didn't. I'm super glad that you didn't either. Cause here we are now. Chatting it up. Yes. I'm very grateful to where my life is right now and just how, how it's been. And obviously like I, I've made it this way, you know, I've worked really hard to get where I am and I still have so much further to go, but sure. it's, I'm proud of myself that I have given my uh, myself the opportunity to see myself this far. So of all the sports, so I see that you swam, mm-hmm. right? Volleyball. Yep. Horses. Yep. Which one? Almost like a, like a fuck, Mary kill. Oh, okay. I would, I would kill swimming, fuck <laughs> volleyball, marry horses. Easy. There it is. That's an easy one. I grew up swimming a lot too. I taught kids how to swim for like, Oh, fun! yeah, I used to teach kindergartners how to swim and like float on their back and shit. <laughs> Not like you know? snapping. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like teaching them how to do like big arms and listen to the water and blow bubbles and stuff. So like, I remember swimming is like, uh, you know, for when you're in the water, did you kind of feel like, does your body feel different when you swam? 
I think so. I just felt very, I don't think I felt the weight of my disability when I was in the water and I grew up in California. So I, I mean, we went to the beach all the time. I went surfing, just spent a lot of time in the water and then obviously like in pools too. And so, yeah, my body just feels so, I, I feel like I can just move it, you know, Yeah. like here on land, you know, I feel the weight of my prosthetic every step I take and I can feel where its limitations are. But then it's like, once I get in the water, I'm like, oh, wow. Like my body is like free. Yeah. So like, if I could be a mermaid, that would be great. Um, <laughs> oh, me, too. me too. Me too. And I want to be a mermaid, not a merman. I want not the whole merman. thing. You want the no. shells. Yeah. <laughs> I want the whole thing. I need it all. Yes. But now I, my prosthetic is actually waterproof so I can swim with it. So I don't like swim like with the prosthetic, it's super heavy. So it basically tries to drown me, but it's nice for like, you know, if I'm going into the lake or on a boat or going to be waiting in the water, it is nice to have my leg for something to stand on. Cause before I would have to just stand on one leg in the ocean and that would get tiresome after like five minutes with those yeah. waves like hitting you. So it is nice to have that stability, but you know, if I want to go like scuba diving or anything like that. Yeah. I, I think I'll probably go without it. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. And listen, like, you know, we've had a couple laughs on here so far and I always stress this thing. Like when I do this show, like you kind of have to find the levity within like the pain sometimes because yeah. like, how can we like function as humans if we're sad all the time? It's just going to okay. be a poor, it's going to be a poor quality of life for you though. There's stuff that we deal with interior interior stuff, right? Like then my brain's all mushy, right? For you though, you know, I always over sympathize with people with like exterior disabilities because I'm like, this person is doing all this shit. And it's so inspiring to me to see people that that people that take life in stride. I don't oh, I don't want to cry. Hold up. <laughs> but you know, it's it's I see these um, like amazing things, whether it's Paralympians, whether it's the Special Olympics, whether it's, I see somebody give an amazing TED Talk. It's, I see all of these people coming, you know, coming to the, to the limelight to kind of have their moment in the sun. Like, I feel that thankfully with social media, it's made that really accessible and we get to get yeah. inspired really fast. But like you said, like, Social media fucking sucks too, <laughs> you know, and for, and for you, how did you kind of find the balance of, you know, you want people to know your story. You want people to, you know, it kind of, in a way, experience what you're going through by kind of living vicariously through your life. Right. So, yeah. you know, trying to share as much information, what about social media kind of drove you to this, to be like, you know what, I want to, I want to be almost a messenger in a way to try and make people bridge the gap between disabled and able bodies? So originally, so I started with Instagram. I started about a little over four years ago and I was just sharing my paradressage journey because I mean, I had ridden horses all my life, but not at that level and at that intensity that I was doing that with. So I just really wanted to share that journey and just kind of like all the ups and downs, you know, and also trying to figure it out. I had never ridden a horse, I guess, peristyle. So like I, I originally rode without my leg. Oh, wow. Yeah. So trying to figure out how that all worked and then, you know, the pros and cons of it and just, you know, building these relationships with these horses and how do these horses react to someone who's disabled, all these things. And then people forget that a horse is like a, a breathing, living thing. 
Oh, it is a breathing. Yeah. I, <laughs> people I think it's like a car. It's a fucking horse, dude. It's yeah. It has a mind of its own. I can't tell you how many times I've been thrown off and things like that. I remember a horse of mine got me disqualified at a show because she threw me off like mid ride. <laughs> oh. I was like, this is great. And I didn't, and at that time I wasn't wearing a prosthetic. So I was literally just like waiting for someone to come get me. <laughs> That's see that for me, it's like, it's so like cliche, but it's like when you get knocked down and get back up, but like, imagine having to do it with one leg. Like, I don't yeah. know if I can, I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, just being, I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. You know, it, it's one of those things. It's like, do you ever have dreams where you have both legs? No, I think in all my dreams, I just kind of like always know that I don't. I've never, I don't think I've had a dream where I've like looked down and I got to, you know, I don't really think yeah. I pay attention to my legs. I feel like I just do what I want to do in my dreams. Yeah. yeah. One legger regardless. <laughs> See, I, like I, I always think about like stuff like that too, because like I have two friends who are in the service and they actually, one of them lost part of their hands and then another one lost like a big piece of his foot Okay. from uh, what are the, the roadside I, bombs or yeah, whatever it is. And, the IEDs and then it's I just I didn't want to mess up and say the the birth control thing <laughs> IED. Like, <laughs> they, they, would get mad, they would get mad at me so I didn't want to say IUD but you got it for me thank you and they have something that they always told me it's like they almost have it's called phantom pain right yeah like or like they feel like a phantom limb yeah like is that something that you would ever have to deal with or since you were born that way that you don't really feel it yeah, since I was born and since I did have my amputation at such an early age, my leg, my brain just cannot remember a time before prosthetics. Right. So in that regard, I'm really lucky. I don't have any sensations, no pain, nothing like that. That's got to be bugged out. Yeah. So and I think that's probably why in my dreams, I don't dream myself with two legs because my brain just doesn't know, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting though. And I have a lot of amputee friends who have lost their legs later in life that do have problems with that. But I mean, I just don't just because my brain can't remember that far back. The brain is so gangster. And so crazy. You know how it could just be like, oh, like, remember this? <laughs> like, you know, and I just like, oh my God, like, I can't believe that. You know, and, and like awkward thing I did in fifth grade. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. Everyone remembers. <laughs> it's like the smallest thing. It's like, I, what caused my brain to bring that back to me is so strange. Getting triggered. <laughs> you know, yeah. And it's, just, I'll, I'll be like, I'll be in an Uber and just be like, oh, like, I'll remember like the one time I shit my pants. You know what I mean? And I'm like, why does that come into my head right now? Why? <laughs> my, my brain just loves to embarrass me. And speaking of the brain, what do you kind of do to keep yourself in a positive mindset? Because let's be honest, with the hand that you were dealt, it's very easy to have a negative mindset yeah. every day, all the time. So what do you do mostly on a day-to-day -day basis to kind of keep yourself, you know, keep your chakras where they need to be? I think a lot of that just has to do with like my faith and God and our relationship. You know, I a hundred percent believe that like everyone is here for a reason. I don't know what that reason is. And so I just have to believe that like God made me this way for a reason. And, you know, hopefully that reason is to inspire others. And so that's like all I can do, you know? And yeah, no, you have to, you have to sometimes. I remember when I was, man, when I was in that hospital, I remember I, I didn't talk to anybody but God when I was in there. Yeah. And like, I don't try to like push my religion too much on people because, you know, it's one of those things. I can only speak from my experience. And it's like, yeah. 
I had so many conversations with God. And I said, God, if you can get me through this, I promise I'll do whatever I can to be a little bit better every day. Because at that point, it's I'm just in there with a bunch of strangers. <laughs> and I'm looking up at this ceiling that has like dust and all this shit all over it. And I'm just like, God, if you can get me out of this place in a better situation. And I really kind of just gave gave myself to him in that moment. And I was just like, I'm a child of you, sir. Yeah. And I was like, just help me the fuck out. And, you know, it was, it was, it got down to the thing where I think a lot of people as time has like kind of gone on, like faith is taboo now. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, if somebody believes in God and it helps better their life, then who are we to make judgments on other people? You know, if you go back 30 years ago, everybody loved God. Yeah. You know what I mean? 40 years ago, 50 years ago, especially, you know, yeah. and now it's like, you know, as time goes on, I really think that if people have faith, as much faith as they do in medical science, you know what I mean? Like, let somebody else have faith. Yeah. In, in God, you know what I mean? Because it's like, do you watch Always Sunday in Philadelphia? I do not. <laughs> so there's a, there's a, they're having this story about, it's a show about these guys and this girl that run a bar and they're having a court scene together. Okay. And they're talking about belief in God and belief in science. The science guy is kind of, you know, this guy, Dennis is kind of uptight. It's like, well, no, like there's these fossil records and these books and stuff and written, you know, written books. Yeah. And he was like, all right. And he's talking to him and he's like, you know, he's like, so you go on science based on books written by men on fossils that you've never seen. You haven't poured through the data yourself. But would you say that you take science on, dare I say, faith? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, it, and it's kind of like that thing. It's like, you know, I think people are way too judgmental when it comes to people having faith yeah. in a higher power. Because like you said, it's, it got me out of that bed. I can't lie about that. Yeah. You know? I can't, I'd be lying to say that I, that I, I wasn't praying. Like, <laughs> I was, like I was in church when I was in there and it's, and it's really the truth. Was your relationship with God always strong though? Like from when you were a kid or was it from when you got out of the hospital? Was it later on in life? Well, so my parents were Christians. Like we always went to church. And then I think once I moved out on my own, I still went to church, but I definitely did not like live a life that I should have. And I think I just got a lot of like anger and resentment towards the church that I did go to when I was with, you know, still living at home because it was a, it was a pretty small church. And I think my thoughts were like, you know, all these people at this place, like knew what was going on, like what my parents were doing, blah, blah, blah. And like, they said nothing, you know? Right. I think I just had a lot of anger of like, you know, why did I have to go through this? Like, that's so not fair. And so, you know, after just a lot of like time spent, you know, alone with Jesus and reading the word, I think, you know, we've all, I've really done a lot of healing and forgiving. And so I would say now that it's definitely a lot stronger and I still have so much more to unpack and so much, you know, trauma deep, deep inside that I do need to like work through, but it's not something I have to do today or tomorrow. It's something that can happen over time. And I think that's like the cool thing about like the relationship with God, like, you know, like we're just friends. Like I just bring him into my everyday and like yeah. we're just friends and we just talk and, you know, when things do come up that are a little bit more serious, like he's just so like loving and gentle about it. You know, like there's no, like you have to do this. You have to do it. It's just like, 
I feel like from him, it's just like nudging, you know, like, hey, yeah, yeah, for sure. That? But also even in your like situation, if anybody could have a sense to curse God. Yeah. Right. It should be, it should be you. Right. <laughs> well, I can't even flip him the bird. So <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? It's like, I can't even throw one up there. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it's one of those situations. So I, I think that's a beautiful kind of circle that you kind of went through there. Yeah. And again, it goes back to, I'm on this earth for a reason, you know, who knows why he created me like this, but I a hundred percent believe that he will and can grow my leg back. And so whether that happens here on earth, even if it doesn't, like I love my life and I know that I will be fully whole once I go back home. So, you know, at least I have that look to look forward to. <laughs> Damn, you are a fucking gangster, dude. <laughs> <laughs> See, like I always like I feel that as much as people are open about like the stigmas of mental health right now and you know, their disabilities, their conditions, it's like I, it's kind of refreshing to hear somebody be open about the G man. Thank you. Hey, the GM's great. I love him. I got nothing against him. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, listen, that's... same. 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 His son was pretty cool, too. Yeah, 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, not a bad guy either. You know what I mean? But now let's like fast forward to like where you're at five years from now. And let's talk a little bit about the science of prosthetics, right? Yeah. When you were born, how trash was your first prosthetic like? Oh, I actually have it as a lamp right next to me. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, leg lamp, I love it. It was just a wooden, a wooden leg. And so yeah, and then what growing the fuck was that like lugging that thing around? I have no idea. I was four. I literally can't remember. Ah. I think I was just happy to like be on two legs at that point. Like I was just I was right. a great time. So I didn't care what it was. And then growing up, I would get a new leg about every year. So I would either grow out of them or break them. And so those were super simple. They call them mechanical knees. So they're just knees that basically have like gears in them. They're super simple. And then when I was 18, I moved to microprocessor knees. And so those are when you start getting into the computers and stuff. So they have sensors okay. in the knees that help you walk better and kind of sense if you're on uneven ground or like if I trip, the knee would slow down so I can catch myself. So yeah, um, it helps me not to fall as much and things like that. Now I have a knee. I got it a few months ago and this is like the Cadillac and knees insurance won't even cover it. So I, I actually, I actually oh, that's got nice. knee. yeah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> Um, I actually got this knee from a dead guy. It came to me through a foundation. Um, so he had had it, he had passed away. And so they gave his knee away to someone who could still use it. Cause I mean, otherwise what was the family going to do with it? Right. All right. Well, they could have made it into a lamp. They could have, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's, better. it's serving a better purpose now. It is. Yeah. But honestly, it kind of, it's a little bit, it reminds me kind of a Jesus's story. Cause like if that guy hadn't died, I would not have gotten this knee. Like I'm just being dead serious. I'm super grateful for it. So this one's waterproof. The battery lasts a long time. It's just, it's so high end. Five years from now, I don't know. I'm thinking, well, I'm hoping by that time, Jesus regrows my legs so I don't even have to worry about it. <laughs> I hear you. But, you know, I think I would hope and pray that uh, things as expensive as prosthetics will be more available to those that need it. Just because if I hadn't gotten this knee through the foundation, I don't think I would have gotten it at all because they. Now, now why, why don't insurance 
companies cover prosthetics. That should be like a clean cut kind of thing. This person doesn't have a leg. Let's get them a leg. Let's do it. Yeah. So my insurance did cover a knee, but it was about a $65,000 knee. The knee I have on right now is about $100,000. Damn. You got an Audemars Piquet on your I knee. I do. Dude. I do. You got an so, AP knee? That is fire. <laughs> so, you know, it's just kind of the caliber of knee. So I have the other knee as my backup knee in case this one, you know, poofs out or something. But I think in general, you know, I do work for a prosthetic company. So I deal with insurance a lot. And so it is a little disheartening to see like how many insurances either won't cover it or like the copay is so large or the out-of-pocket, you know, it's just such a maximum amount that it's just, it can be really hard to get accessible healthcare in the prosthetics department. And all these people want to do is walk, you know? And so yeah, that's, that's, that's like a, I feel like that's like a basic of life. So I would hope that five years down the road, we have a better system for amputees. I think it's crazy for me to think that they're not a huge bunch of the population. Cause like yeah. I go into target all the time and people look at me like they've never seen a person with one leg. And it's like, I have to remind myself, like, listen, they haven't, you're the first. And so it's just wild to me. So I would hope that that becomes more prevalent to getting better access for people, you know, that just can't afford them. Cause they are really expensive. Even the basic ones are expensive. So the arm and the leg are different, right? Cause like yeah. With the arm, like I see people, they have ones where you could just like think of something and your hand like doesn't. Yeah. So that's like they're connected to their muscles. And so when they contract muscles, it will open and close the arm, the hand with legs, though. We just we don't have that. Yeah. See, that's a, like uh, I just hope that they find out some way that they could do that because prosthetics are some of the most remarkable fucking things I've ever seen, though. Yeah. Well, and I think leg prosthetics are just so much harder because to mimic the body's natural ability to like walk, like there are so many muscles involved with that, you know, even up to your, your back and your glutes and things like that, even to your other side of your body, it has to work too. So the muscles are huge with, too. Yeah. Yeah. And with the arm, you know, not that it's simple, but those muscles are a lot more isolated. So that way I think that makes it easier, but with the leg and walking, like, then you have your foot muscles. And, and so it's just, I think it's something that's a lot hard to recreate synthetically, which is why we're just not at the level that maybe some arm prosthetics are. Okay. So another question, cause I have like some like, you know, like preschool questions that I have okay. to ask because I don't <laughs> like, I don't know, like when it comes to buying shoes, yeah. <laughs> right. Which foot do you try on? I usually try on my left foot. That's my real foot. So my right foot is the same foot as my left foot. You can get the same size as your real leg to make sure that they all fit. So if it's going to fit my left foot, it's going to fit my right foot. So you got, you make sure like the drip is correct. Yes. <laughs> That's the first one. Second one. Do you have like, like different like extensions like you know like for like running right so like that that dude yeah. like i don't want to say his name because he ended up like <laughs> that guy <laughs> that guy great spokesperson for the com uh for the community pal appreciate it <laughs> like do you yeah, have the running blades the running blades like do you have like certain things that you use or you just have it's all encompassing now for a hundred thousand dollars so i can run on this hundred thousand dollar leg however i do have it's called a running blade attachment so i'll unscrew the knee 
off of my socket and then I'll screw on the running blade and then I just can switch between them. So I have that attachment. I also have a riding leg attachment. So that's a totally different knee. It's more of a basic knee. It's a lot, it's a lot heavier. So it's going to help, you know, even out my weight on the saddle and things like that. Wow. Um, I have a whole backup leg as well, just in case anything happens. See, like for me, it's, it, you know, that stuff that like that to me is cool. But like stuff like that to you is like, you know, it's like, I got to do this whole fucking process and like do this whole thing. This guy's over here saying it's cool. <laughs> and like when I see the way people just look at me, able-bodied, mm-hmm. insecure, <laughs> you know, I'll walk into a Trader Joe's right now. And if somebody looks at me a certain way, I won't stop thinking about that person. <laughs> you know? For you, like you said, when you go to Target and it's like you kind of have to, you know, deal with that situation, is that something that you still have good and bad days with, or is it something that's kind of like second nature for you now? I think it's pretty much second nature at this point. When I go into like Target and things like that, like if I'm by myself, I'll go like full like RBF mode, like resting bitch face, like <laughs> I'm focus on what yeah. I need to get. But like if someone comes up to me, obviously I'm not going to you know be rude. Uh, I'll answer their questions as nicely as I can. Like I, I just recently switched over to a new gym. And I've been there for about two weeks and I think I've had someone stop me every single day and like ask me about my leg. I think at this point in my life, I'm just so used to it. Sometimes it can, it can be annoying when people are obviously staring at me Yeah, and I'll like, I'll just make eye contact with them <laughs> and then I'll be like, Oh, sorry. just like give them this one. Like, yeah, I like to do that sometimes too. Yeah. Like I know you're staring at me. So I did have a friend I worked out with a few times. He's an amputee, but he is recent. He maybe like two or three years and someone came up to him and asked him how he lost his leg. And I'm not going to lie. He was pretty rude to her. And I felt so bad. And I was like, like, I can get it on that level. But also like, I get that they're just curious. Like, you know, there's just so many things. So there's definitely some ways you can take it. But I also think that, you know, I might be the first amputee that these people have ever seen. Like I would rather make it a good experience and maybe educate them on like, Hey, maybe like, don't stare. Like, you know, you can come up and ask if it's okay to ask questions, but maybe just don't berate me right off the bat with like, what happened to you? Blah, 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 da, da, da. Like, you know, I'm a human being too. For sure. You're a human being. And it's also like, it probably took you uh, some time to get to like, you know, I'll let this be a teaching moment. Instead yeah. of like telling you like, you know, go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but like, even like in terms of like others, like, can we talk a little bit about like seeking validation? Like when you were, when you were a kid, I'm sure it was like a, a lot more, you know, prominent. Yeah. But how do you deal with stuff like that now? Just like, even in like, you know, in dating, day-to-day life meetings, phone calls like this, you know, it's like, what's your mindset when it comes to like, kind of like the validation of like your peers and others? I think at this point in my life, like I could honestly give two bucks what anyone thinks about me, but I think it's because I've, I think the need for validation comes from shame and like having that. And so it's like, you need the validation to cover up the shame that you have, but if you don't Mm. have any shame, why do you need validation? So, you know, after, you know, doing a lot of healing and things like that, which like, obviously there's still more, but, you know, I think I've just come so to terms with who I am, what I have going on and blah, 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 that like, I just like, I just don't care, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to be myself. 
if you don't like it, then that's cool. We're not meant to be in the same, you know, atmosphere together. And I'm okay with that. And I think that's the thing. I feel like people that like need validation, like they're just not okay with that. And I'm, I'm perfectly happy, like never talking to you again. Just like, I'm good. Like, I don't need that negative space in, because I feel like any person I have in my life, not that they should be validating me all the time, but like they should be a source of encouragement and friendship and positivity. And like, yeah, tell me if I'm like doing something straight up that like, isn't great, but like, you know, they should never be putting you down, but it's not that like I go to friends or have friends just because I'm constantly seeking that, you know? Yes. Now I have to ask this question okay. because I'm five years old. Have you ever gotten drunk? Right. <laughs> right and had like like a funny experience like with like your prosthetic like have you ever blacked out and woken up and been like where the fuck is my prosthetic (laughs) no i'm pretty responsible i'm gonna say i don't think i've ever blacked out from being drunk that's you know what good for you because i I wish i wish i'll say it again i wish I could actually say that with a straight face. Yeah, I have gotten drunk, but my leg has always stayed on. So that's pretty dope. I've always gone home with the same leg that I need to. (laughs) Not switching legs with people. This isn't my leg. (laughs) Like, how would that even work? It's almost like you go to the bar, you know, like if you leave like a debit card there. Right, yeah. Yeah, just like, uh, does anybody like bring this like up to the bar just so you know? I will say like in the past, you know, I did have a few like one night stands and things like that. And they would sleep over and sometimes like they would wake up in the middle of the night and like, they would get pretty freaked out just seeing my leg, like resting against the wall or something. They like wouldn't remember. And I'm like, Oh, Look at you go. that's mine. You. <laughs> that's me. That's me. You know what I mean? And then, you know, just to, to stay on that, it's like, what's like your type, my type. Yeah. What's your type? I'm not going to lie. I do. I do try to go for two leggers most of the time. <laughs> two leg snagger. I see. Two leg snagger. Yeah. I'm going to say like beefy gym rat kind of type. I go to the gym like six days a week. So I think health is super important. So I feel like I would want someone that also is really muscly, blah, blah, blah. So I think that is more my type. I've been with all types though. But now that I'm like 25 and I'm like, okay, Lisa, I want to get married. I have to like hone in. On Don't settle. Don't settle. I'm not, not selling. Never. Don't settle ever in life. No, of course not. So now I'm like honing in on like, okay, what do I actually like and want? And I'm thinking like, cause I want to go to the gym with you. I want to, I want gym dates, you know, let's go get full together. There it is. And you know, it's, it's all, it's all about gains. And then, it, you know, you can have fun after that at home. It's like, what's the, what's the worst thing about that? There we go. Cardio at home. <laughs> there it is. You're, you're set to go. Before we go, I just want to say, thank you so much for spending this hour with me. It means the world. I really, I started a show to have conversations with people like you, uh, just people from all walks of life, people that deal with different things, people that are so positive when they have all things in life that could just lead them to be negative. And at times we do go through negative parts of our lives, but you know, it's how we come out on the other side. And I think what you're doing is so amazing. Even just as a stranger, I'm super proud of you. Thank you. I hope to stay in touch with you and continue to see your journey because you you have a fan in me now so, uh, <laughs> thank you so much i'm a big fan and this is the last question i ask every guest that comes on are you happy today 
I I am happy. I don't think it's I'm okay happy. to say no. It's okay yeah. to say no. I don't think I'm as happy as I could be. And I think a lot of that is just because I think I saw myself in a different place at this age and time of my life. And I feel like I'm not there. So I think I'm just wrestling with some disappointment. But you know, I just have to remember that like every every person's story is different and there's no timeline. And I think, you know, I try to put these expectations and timelines on myself. And then of course the big man's laughing at me like, bro, like that's not that's not how it's gonna go. And so I think I have to be okay with that. So I, I am happy now that I've like kind of worked through my disappointment and I'm like, okay, I just need to focus on, you know, the good things for today. For sure. And it's a day by day process. Yeah. Sadly, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, the, 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 the time machine hasn't uh, been perfected yet. So it you know, has not, no. So in those times, it's uh, as someone who's a little bit older than you, I'm 33. So people that know my story, I was in a a really long relationship for a long time and that didn't work out. And I met someone new and I'm 33. I'm not married yet. I don't have any kids. You know, I, in the situations of like, when I kind of look at where I'm at in my life, I used to always do that. I always used to look at my friends that went to like these big universities and got these cool pieces of paper and like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like they got, you know, they moved into New York city before I did, they had expendable income before I did, they were able to do so much more shit, you know? And I was always like kind of doing that. And, you know, I really tried to stay like present in the moment and, you know, and it's okay to not be happy all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but as long as those, as long as those disappointments, you know, lead you to in the right direction, then I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. I really don't think it's a bad thing to like take some time. You know, it's uh, all right. If I'm not happy that I'm here, what can I do tomorrow or maybe right now to kind of make it better? So I'm with you on that. There's plenty of disappointments I have in my life. (laughs) For everyone that's listening and everyone that's watching, where can they find you on the internet? Um, So you can find me on Instagram at alcequine, A-L-C-E-Q-U-I-N-E. And then TikTok is the same. It just has an underscore at the end of it. But that's my two main platforms. I'll return to YouTube someday. But yeah, that's, that's, all, that's all I got. <laughs> Again, Alyssa, thank you so much for your time. I'm your host, Daniel Fiore, and this has been Off the Cuff, and we're out of here. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Off the Cuff, presented to you by 101 Life. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and send us some love with a review. And don't forget, We're all in this together, and you're never alone. Peace. Fate Entertainment.